0: Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We're meeting this week to celebrate God's faithfulness in carrying us on the journey that we've traveled for the last 40 years. We do know, of course, that even the journey that lies before us, God will remain faithful. By God's grace, he has carried us from Mavis Hall in White City, Jabavu, the year being 1983. And then from 1983 to 1984 we were at Isaacson Higher Primary School in Morocco. And 1984 to 1985 we were at Church of the Holy Ghost in White City, Jabavu. Then 1985 to 1986 we were at Lengiwa Secondary School in White City, Jabavu. And then from 1986 to 2001 we were at Homemakers Festival Grounds in Rockville. And then on the 28th of October 2001, we moved here to Pinville Zone 1. And now, by the grace of God, there are several churches in existence. God is a faithful God. Yeah. This faithful God is a God who does new things. And that is why we chose this theme I will do a new thing, declares the Lord. We're quoting from Isaiah 43 19. The book of Isaiah is a very interesting book because it's a book of two distinct eras in the lives of the children of Israel. The first era being a time where the children of Israel were in disobedience, violating the laws of God, and as a result, judgment came upon them from God. They went into exile. They had all kinds of things happening to them. But then the second era is where, interesting enough, God says to his people, I will have compassion on you. And in me having compassion on you, I will rescue you. I will bring restoration like a new exodus. I will even do things that are not usual. You are not used to them, like make streams spring in the desert. And the reason I do that is really not because of how great you are, but because I am a sovereign God. Because I am a compassionate God. Because I am a mighty creator. And he calls upon his people to prepare themselves to step into the new thing. Very interesting, this chapter 43 talks about Israel. And when you read it in all, it talks about Israel, God's chosen people. And God says, I created you. And I, I formed you and then I redeemed you. He says to them, I've redeemed you. I've brought you back. I have brought you back like a prize. I'm telling you that I have paid for your sins. I have paid for what you have done wrong. And after I have redeemed you, after I have brought you out, I took you and I called you by my name. You are mine. So after creating, forming you, redeeming you, and naming you, God then talks about what he will do for them. He tells them in the beginning, in verse 5, he says, fear not, fear not. Even if the past wasn't so great, fear not, because I am with you. God is telling them, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. God is telling them, don't be intimidated because of everything that happens. And then God says, well, what happened in the past wasn't so great. But here's my advice to you in verse 18. Don't remember those bad days. Don't remember those times when things didn't work. Because I'm going to do something that is new in your life. And when God says, I'm doing something new, this new thing signifies that there is a way in which God can work, even in the midst of uncertainty and turmoil. When we think we've come to the end of ourselves, God will still work in spite of that. And so in this lesson, God calls upon his people to forget the struggles they went through as a nation. And to look on the new destiny that is before them, the new thing that God is about to do in spite of whatever they've gone through in the past. Now, please allow me, and I'm so glad we have so many ministers and theologians in the house, please allow me tonight to take the liberty as the host of the conference do not speak in context and follow the text as I should, Reverend Molo. all right? So my exegesis is going to be totally off target here, all right? However, I'm going to take the principle of doing new things. Allow me then to not delve much into the text. I've given you a little bit of a teaser just to show you that I understand what the text is about, all right? But I'm not going to delve into the text tonight, but I want to talk about a new thing in a different way. A new thing that we see here tonight, a new thing that's all around us, a new thing that God is going to do in our nation, in spite of what's going on in South Africa and other nations of the world, God is saying he's going to do a new thing. But very often, it's difficult for us to think of a new thing coming, to imagine something new coming when we switch on our television and listen to the news. When we hear the statistics of the suicides and the, the how many people who are depressed and people who are taking their lives, and it's very difficult. It's very hard, really, to, to think of anything new when you see the economy going down and you see people fighting and you see marriages breaking and, and, and you see all kinds of things happening. It, it doesn't look like it can happen, but God said to the children of Israel, in spite of all of that, I will do a new thing. And the reason I'll do a new thing is because I am sovereign. I don't need your help. I don't need your help. I just need your participation, but I don't need your help. And so when I read this text early in the year, somehow this year, God opened my eyes. Prophet Kabisa, I'm not a prophet before it. Mara, tonight I'd like to borrow from your anointing a little bit. (laughs) Reverend Mola, I'm not going to do the theological stuff. Papa, Ntachumayela. Eh? Eh, The Chimbalanga verse tonight But as I went around the country Prof, I began to see the new thing In our country It's all around us And you'll see it in a while When I talk about it I began to see this new thing It looks like Like the clouds of rain that begin to form like precipitation that happens up in the upper atmosphere. Something is beginning to form. It's not readily visible. It doesn't look convincing. But as you said, prophet, God always says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Just like when the prophet told a man, go and have a look, there's rain that's coming. He said, I can see something like the size of a man's hand. Listen, God doesn't need much to do something that is amazing. He can start with something that is small. In fact, Jesus challenged his disciples in John chapter four, verse 35, after he had an encounter with a woman at the well. And when this woman's heart was struck by the gospel and her heart was opened through the conversation with Jesus Christ, and she began to receive Christ and know Christ and recognize him as the Messiah. And this woman was so open to the gospel that she even went to the entire city to tell everybody about Jesus. But when the disciples came, they couldn't see what God was doing. They were obsessed with historical problems and religious problems and all kinds of things. And Jesus says to them in verse 35, the second part, he says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already ready white for harvest, which means it's possible for us to have signs of a new thing all around us and not see it. And so tonight, I'd like to speak and ask us to lift up our eyes and see seven areas that I've seen this year and the year past indicating God is doing the new. Number one, there's an introspection among us as churches. To see how effective we have been in reaching our generation with the total gospel. We're troubling ourselves with that question. Have we preached as we should? Have we remained faithful to the preaching of the word? Are we really winning people to Christ? And we're not stopping there. We're saying, after we have won them to Christ, are we discipling them to be followers of Christ? And we're not stopping there. We are saying, if there is a crisis somewhere, if there's a Marshalltown problem going on, will we be there as the church and be the first ones on the scene? And if you look around, you realize that the church is asking itself a serious question. And as I've looked around, I've seen the church being involved in the floods in KZN. I saw the church in the recent Marshalltown tragedy. We see churches preaching the gospel on radio, on television, going everywhere. It looks like the church is beginning to say, we need to make our presence felt. We need to make our presence count. We need to listen to the instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ to take the gospel everywhere. As I've traveled around the country, I see churches introspecting asking themselves questions. Have we been faithful to the mission of the gospel? This new thing is that God's going to help us to not be the kind of church that's inward looking. Remember before COVID, we had all kinds of strange things happening on our television screens. Churches coming in the name of the Lord and things being paraded in the name of Christ that didn't represent what the cross was about. And these made us to be the laughing stock of people. And people took the gospel for granted. And somehow, some of these people who were claiming to have inward information and secret things between them and God, somehow never warned us about COVID. And when COVID came, they never gave us the solution. Instead, it looks like COVID had a way of sanitizing the church, Such that what has remained, we've had to ask ourselves serious questions. When we saw our numbers dwindling, when we saw the Christians that we were leading in churches not coming back to the churches, we asked ourselves a question, were we preaching the right gospel? Were we preaching in such a way that people are tied to us and not tied to God? Is it that the gospel that we gave them was gospel 101? Did we give them entry-level gospel? Did we give them just the soft porridge of the gospel? Or did we really preach the gospel ngongo? And we asked ourselves a question and we came back almost with a vengeance. We started teaching at another level and introspecting ourselves and looking at the things that didn't work and things that were not Christ-like and things that can't sustain people. God is doing a new thing among us. Number two, as I've gone around many churches, and if I may say, all churches, mainline churches, charismatic churches, cruisimatic churches, automatic churches, evangelical churches, African independent churches, all churches, there's a move of God in the church of Jesus Christ. Go to the Zion Church. God is moving there. Go to the Anglican Church. God is moving there. Go to the Presbyterian Church. God is moving there. Go to the Pentecostal Church. God is moving there. Go to the church in the gated community. God is moving there. Go to the church that meets under a tree. God is moving there. There's a move of God among the church, and in the church, that is very unusual. People have opened up to God. Our problems have caused us to run to the feet of the cross. Because our intelligence could only take us so far. And here we are. We're coming to God and we're not coming to God. Just in an academic way, we're bringing our hearts to God. There's a move of God and an atmosphere of the move of God in church services. One of the discussions we've been having in our church, you know, is because our church service, Pastor Bert, is quite short. You know, we try, today is long, but we try to have it one and a half. Marankara, one and a half is no longer enough. Because just when you try to close the service, the spirit of God starts moving upon the people there. And I've asked myself, is one and a half enough? Shouldn't we give enough? I'm not talking about in Pumi. No, 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 Mara, I think in Kwanzaa, when God is working among us. And we have seen in the church when people have come in large numbers, people who come from all kinds of things. This past Sunday, we had a a number of young people who came who had given themselves into gangsterism. As the Spirit of God was moving, and as they were called out, we saw them boldly walking to the front and saying, I'm leaving gangsterism. I'm coming to Christ just as I am. God is doing a new thing. And so I want to encourage us as pastors, as we stand on pulpits, as we run church services, let's allow the Holy Spirit to move. Amen. Of course, when the Holy Spirit moves, sometimes he may disturb our program a little bit, but that's okay as long as he changes people's lives. Can I hear a good amen in Thirdly, there's the unity of the body of Christ that's seen in leaders coming together. I am struck by the number of leaders in attendance tonight. And the diversity of leaders who are here from different churches and different denominations. Recently, there's been some events that I was aware of, some I went to. There was a, a sad funeral in Venda recently where one of the leading leaders there, Apostle Batzinga, lost his son, who died in a car accident. And I had intended to go, but I couldn't go as a result of the schedule. But I was speaking to Pastor Lungindala, who went to the funeral. He said, Papa, at the funeral, every large ministry in Venda was represented by the main leader. You know, today as leaders, we no longer go to events because we are necessarily speaking. We are going to show solidarity. Oh, I said new things are here. You see, leaders congregating together, helping one another. I was saying to some of our sons that we are leading in ministry, I said, you know, when we started in the charismatic movement, Bishop, uh, 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 you know, and uh, Pastor Dick as well, I've talked to you about this. You know, we know that uh, the preaching was around achievement and everything. And, you know, you are strong, you, you are victorious. And so when you met somebody and you said, how are you? They didn't even ask, how are you? They said, how big is your church? (laughs) If you told them, how are you? They didn't care. They just want to know what's the size of your church. Today, we don't do that anymore. We say, how are you really? We no longer meet around achievement. We meet around our humanity. Oh, a new day has come. Now, we can let our hair down in the presence of one another. We can understand the other leader when they're going through crisis and through problems. We are not quick to quote verses and tell them that they don't believe God. We will be there with them. We will sit with them and cry with them and walk with them. Something new is happening. It doesn't matter if they are in the Zion church. It doesn't matter if they're in the Anglican church, in the Presbyterian church. We are children of the same God and we are meeting together. There's a new thing going on. Apostle Mosendala recently dedicated his church in Zanin. God Reigns International Church. They call it Greek. And during the leadership session, I was surprised to see the leaders who were in attendance. Leaders from all denominations coming to a leadership session that we were doing on Saturday morning. I couldn't believe. This is not what I'm used to. And God says, well, of course I'm doing a new thing. Here we are tonight on this platform. We've had uh, uh, believers in Christ. Archbishop Shabalala here, professor. We've had Reverend Molo. We've had all kinds of different anointings and callings and everything. This is what the church should be like. This is what Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17. That we can be one. As he and God is one. So there's the unity of the body of Christ. And I ask you to lift up your eyes and look. You'll see it everywhere in our country. The fourth thing that's very interesting is we're seeing a restoration of the mentals of people who stand in different offices. You know, the Bible in Ephesians 4 teaches us about the different offices that are there. Interesting enough, even among our speakers, there are some that we are calling prophets. Some were calling apostles. Of course, we also have the, 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 the responsibility of a bishop. And we are using all these designations. Because now we have come to a place as the body of Christ where we appreciate and we accept and we want to be exposed to all the different offices that are there. Very often, we in the past, we didn't really have an understanding of the different offices. Now, let me say something, and I hope you'll forgive me for what I'm about to say. In a recent conference that I attended, one of the speakers said something very, very phenomenal. He said, you know, as much as there might have been this wrong way in which some of the prophets had did what they did pre-COVID, and and let's face the truth that even if they were doing wrong things people rushed to them in large numbers you can say what you like but the people weren't there now I'm not using the going of the people as a measuring stick for how God is working but could it be that there's a hunger in people to hear what God has to say about their lives now it it cannot be staged it shouldn't be staged you can't press a key and get a prophecy that's not how it works but could it be that the failure of the church to walk in the fullness of the giftings of the Spirit has opened the door to look for those things in wrong places? So now we see God restoring these offices and there's a recognition and people are functioning in it. Of course there will be mistakes. Of course there will be people who will go to extremes. But remember, the only reason you can ever fake is because you have the real And what God wants to do is to restore the fullness of offices. To see evangelists who will go out on the field and minister in signs and wonders. To see people who will stand in the apostolic office whom God will use to establish churches and to move in that rank. To see people who will stand in the prophetic anointing as God uses them and you can go on and on. There's a restoration of mental. So I want to say to you tonight, lift up your eyes and look. God is doing a new thing. Number five, there's a very interesting transgenerational cooperation. It's amazing tonight when we look around to see a good mix of different age groups. When the praise started, I was standing in my section there with my WhatsApp group in this section, and all of us were jumping in our hearts. And we were talking among each other and we were saying, when I was that age, that's what I used to do, but I kneel up. Because if I do that, my heart might just stop, but I used to be like that. But it isn't amazing now. You know, in our time when we grew up, maybe some of you may not understand this. In our time, when we, the, the, when, when we were young, church wasn't the place to go. And if we went and we did what youth did, the adults were not very happy at all. But today, we are sitting side by side with young people they're doing their thing and we're doing our thing over there. Wow. Somehow it looks like we are getting the message of the book of Jewel. When God says, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Oh, here we are. We are sitting side by side. Old men, young people, worshipping God together in our own style. When they are jumping in front, I'm jumping in my heart. Can I hear a good amen in the house? I will remember, forever remember that Sunday, the first Sunday where it was total lockdown in the country. We couldn't go to church. So we decided with the leaders that, okay, we can't go to church, but we will go on social media. Then when I didn't even know how to spell Facebook, I thought it was a face made out of a book. (laughs) I didn't know what Instagram was. I didn't know any of those things. And so, we, in the week, we spoke with our team, all of them were young people, and we could only be allowed a certain number to come to church, so we insisted and made permits for them to come to church, and we wrote a letter to say they're going to do a production And then we bought time on Soweto TV to go on Soweto TV live. I still remember even today, I was in my office, being the only preacher and surrounded by all the technical people, and all of them were 30 years and younger. I was the only madala in the house. (laughs) Doing the preaching, being seen on Facebook, on our church website, on Instagram, on Soweto TV... All I needed to do was to preach. And the young people did all the stuff. And I was looking cool on television because of the young people. And we did that for a whole month. For one month, this church was carried by young people, 30 years and younger. I used to meet with them. I remember one day I called them together and I and I hugged them and I said, you know what, young people, you've carried us. One thing I realized, this is what the church should be like. The young and the old must be sitting side by side. Can I hear a good amen in the God is doing a new thing where the young and the old are worshipping side by side. Where the young are learning from the old and the are depending on the young. So that the gospel is in safe hands. The young people are learning the disciplines of the older. They are learning how to pray like us. They are learning how to believe God like us. But we are also learning how to operate Facebook like them and press the right things. Every day in the morning, when I do the morning prayer at 5 o'clock at 5 o'clock AM, I have a backup team. This backup team consists of young people. And they're watching me on the screen and they're helping me. Because sometimes this technology, you know, Satan, oh, no, no, no. Mara, this technology somehow the screen decides to malfunction at an awkward time. Just at that time when you are starting to get anointed. And the screen said says, yeah. And then I always have my phones next to me and I'll either call who? Who do I call? Ba-o. There you are, Bao. And Bawo is always online. And if Bawo is not there, the next one is Tsepang. I'm defaulting on the young people. They're the other ones who are helping me and carrying me. This is what the church should be like. remember as Papa Masonga you always say no one will ever be a champion of all generations and as we become more matured we are passing on to the next generations and our prayer is that you young people you'll become faithful with this gospel that will be entrusted into your hands but the best way is for us now to serve side by side and for everybody to bring their A game I might not run as fast as you, right? But at least I have a little bit of more wisdom on how to get there before you get there. I just take a bus or a taxi and I'll get there before you. Lift up your eyes and look. God is doing something new. Number six, the ease with which we embrace people who are leading in their respective offices and receiving them in the fullness of their mantle. In other words, we are moving away from the strife that the disciples of Christ had when they were arguing about who is the greatest among them. I've been in several meetings with leaders where, in, when we have someone leading us, we all sit there humbly and let them lead us. It's amazing if you see us in the Soviet ministers fraternal. We sit and we listen to our chair, Reverend Hololo leading us. You know, even if, you know, some of us have been in ministry longer than her. We've been at it longer than her, but we understand when someone is in leadership to recognize that. Amen. And it's not a matter of who is leading, it's a matter of what is the proper protocol, and we submit to that. Amen. There's a different attitude that's there among ministers of the gospel. That even tonight, I'm so humbled to see senior leaders attending. Dr. Kozak attending. Professor Shabalala attending. Papa Mashanganya attending. They don't have to be here. They don't need to be sitting. What is it that I'm going to say that they don't already know? What is it that I'm going to preach that they don't already know? But it's sort of amazing these days to see what God is doing among us. And we are saying, if you are the one that is leading at that moment, we will sit down and we will give you the space to lead us. But at the same time, you who is leading, show respect to the ones that you are leading. Don't forget who they are and don't forget their rank at all. And in conclusion, and I'm ending with this, the last thing that is happening, the new thing, is the revival of the spirit of prayer. I tell you, I have never ever seen so many churches involved in prayer like we are seeing right now. Churches praying, weekly prayers, daily prayers, monthly prayers, fasting 21 days. You know, Funisikongelani is here, he just dedicated a new church. Go Riverside. Did I get it right right now? Not River Sand. And, uh, and the, the, the people in his church were complaining. The, the, the program director was complaining, Kuri, you know, this whole week we were preparing for the dedication of the church building, but Mfundisi insisted that we go on a fast. And we were saying, Mfundisi, we need to eat a little bit to have strength to do the program, Mara. He was insisting. But it's like we're realizing, even if all our plans are good, And we should have skill. And it should be organized. But if God doesn't attend, it's not worth it at all. Like you said, Reverend Molo, as much as God is doing things, we say we are simply John the Baptist. We are not the one. He is the one. And that's why we desperately need to depend on the power of prayer. Years ago when you called a prayer meeting, you'd only have a handful of people come for the prayer meeting. Today you call for a prayer meeting and you see thousands of people come. Let me show you what that is a sign of. Any revival you read about in God's word and in historical books preceding a major outpouring of the spirit was a people whose hearts were stirred up in prayer. I've said to our leaders, when you look at the spiritual horizon, there's a sign that the rain of the Spirit is about to fall. There's a visitation from God that's about to hit the nations of the world like never before. Oh, you may say, no, but that's not so. Look at all the news. Look at what's happening. Well, read the Bible. Realize that revival came at a time when things were at their darkest. At a time when the prophets of doom were saying things will never be different. At a time when people had lost hope. At a time when people thought God has forsaken them. But God says to us in this conference, behold, I will do a new thing. It will be such a new thing that I will cause rivers to flow in the desert. Something that you never expected. And now we'll do a new thing. And so this week, we're looking forward to God telling us in detail how we need to ready ourselves for this new thing. We've prayed last week and this week for every speaker. We've brought them before the Lord. Even yesterday morning, we were in prayer, praying for the speakers, praying for the workers. We believe that this word explosion signals a change of season, a new season that has come, something that God wants to assign us to do. And this vision has to be passed on from one generation to the other. This vision must be caught by that one and that one and that one and that one. And this vision must take hold of us to the glory of God. And we will see God do a new thing among us in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a big can of praise. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, tonight... We are grateful to reflect on how far you've brought us, but also to be reminded that there's more that lies ahead. As we lift up our eyes and look, we can see on the spiritual horizon the clouds of rain are beginning to form new things you've declared. Your work on earth is about to be accelerated by the move of your spirit. We're grateful tonight that this whole week we will hear as your servants will be preaching the word will receive what you have in store for us. We give you honor and glory. Please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. As we start this word explosion, there could be people here. You came because you were invited. You may have come on your own. This might not even be your first visit. But when you look at your life, you realize that your life is not pleasing before God. You're living in a way that's not pleasing before God. But you want God to do a new thing. The new that God wants to do in your life is to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you of your sin, and to put you on a new path. That's the new that God wants to do. As we kickstart this word explosion conference. Would you tonight take that step to say as I start this conference on this first day I want to ask God to change me and make me his child. I want to invite Christ into my heart. I'm tired of living the way I've been living. Of going in a direction and in a way that's going to mess my life up. Jesus Christ The Son of God is able to change my life and I need Him in my life to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you are here tonight and you say, please pray for me, I want to invite Christ in my life. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Just raise it high so that we can see it. Just raise it high. We want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Raise it high. Thank you. Even in the foyer there, even in the overflow hall, just raise your hands right where you are. We want to pray for you. People in the overflow hall as well, we're going to ask them, just raise your hand right where you are. Wherever you are, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. May I ask every one of you who raised your hand, would you please just stand on your feet right where you are? If you raised your hand, just right where you are, stand on your feet, please. Just give them a hand as they stand. This is a new day god wants to do a new thing even the people in the overflow all right in the youth hall we have people in the youth hall people in the youth hall i'm going to ask them to be escorted right here right they should be brought over here people in the youth hall as well i'm going to ask you as these people come to the front, you go to the front of that building and then you will be ushered in here. We will wait for you, all right? I'm going to ask everybody who's standing we want to pray for you. Take all your belongings, your Bible, your bag, your purse, take it in your hands and come to the front as we pray together. Come to the front as we as we pray together. Come come let's pray together. Give them a big hand please as they walk. Give them a big hand. The first one is a little boy. How old are you? The first one is a seven-year-old boy. You see, look at the children. Look at all the children coming to the front. Oh, my God.